I don't know if you know this about me, but I hate running. Like, just running. Now, I don't, I, if I'm going to run, I'm going to play a sport, soccer, basketball, football. To run just to run never made any sense to me. And you know those people they have, I don't know if you've seen them, but those little stickers, they say 26.2. You seen those? Means they ran a marathon. Aren't those annoying stickers, right? I hate them. In fact, I don't like them so much that my, the seminarians one here got me a sticker because I was harping on how much I hate running at this gathering we had. They got me a sticker and it said 0.0. I don't run. But when I was in Rome studying, there was a buddy of mine, he lived, we lived on the same floor, his name was Tom Niehaus. He's actually Father Tom Niehaus, now of the Diocese of Winona. And this is a guy that could run forever, like just a natural. He just loved it. And he'd run and run, he ran all over Rome. It was just a, a joy for him to do. And every year they ran the Rome Marathon in Rome. And I, to my knowledge, Father Tom never ran the thing. But one day, one year, he was praying in a church, and he came outside the church, and he was done with his holy hour, and the marathon was running past. He kind of looked at it, and all of a sudden he saw three of our buddies, three seminarians. These guys had trained rigorously to run the 26.2 marathon. And he said, you know, I was standing there, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to join them for a mile. Just to encourage him. So he gets in. He starts running right beside him. Dress shoes, dress pants, full look just like a priest. One mile turned into five miles. Turned into ten miles. Turned into 18.5 miles. He finished the Rome Marathon, dragging his three buddies towards the finish line. He didn't win, in case you were wondering. I don't think he wanted to win. If he wanted to win, he wouldn't have been wearing dress pants, dress shoes, and a black clerical shirt. The reason I got thinking about this story is because in the second reading, St. Paul says every athlete in the stadium is in a race, but only one wins the prize. And then he says, these, this, this has been on my heart all week. Run so as to win. Are you running to win? Because the race of life is not about at the end of your life you have a lot of money. You didn't win if you have a lot of money. You don't win at the end of your life if you have all these degrees and honors. You don't even win at the end of life if you made an impact on people's lives. The way you win the race that the letter to the Hebrews is talking about is you become a saint. What does that mean? I'm not talking you become St. Paul. I'm talking you become St. You. So that when you die, you look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You love like Jesus. You forgive like Him. You're a person of peace. A person of reconciliation. That's how you win the race. Father Tom was not running the Rome Marathon to win it. If he was, he would have done it in shoes. Running shoes. He would have done it in shorts. Why? Because all that other stuff slows you down. It says in the letter of the Hebrews, rid yourself of every burden that clings to you. 
and persevere in running the race. The reason I bring up this story about Father Tom Niehaus is because I started to think of my own life. Do I intentionally invite things into my life that slow me down? Like slow me down in my, how I grow in my faith. Do you do that? I remember every year as a chaplain at St. Mary's High School, we took kids to Guatemala. And every time we'd get back from that trip, I would swear 90% of them had changed their entire lives. They were so convicted about their faith, about service to the poor, about prayer. They had this mountaintop experience. You know what? In two months, by the end of the summer, eh, kind of back to the same. And some even said, yeah, it was just kind of an emotional experience. It wasn't an emotional experience. I don't think that's true at all. When you go to a place like Guatemala, and you pray every day, and you have mass, and you serve the poor, you remove the distractions that bear you down. And what do you spend all your extra time doing? Things that bring joy to your heart. Helping people. Serving people. Praying. Being around people that are doing the same thing with you. You're running unimpeded. And then when they get home to this dump, that's what I'm calling America now. It is. It's a dump. With all of its distractions, with all of the social media, with all of the cell phones, yeah. Yeah, they lose that joy that they had when they were in Guatemala. Paul says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Now I know there are things in this life that are toxic to your faith that you can't change. Part of your job, whatever. But there's a lot of things that you can change. And I'm going to give you three ways. Paul says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. First thing, what are you looking at? What are you watching? What are you reading? What TV shows do you watch? What movies do you watch? Do they slow you down? I don't know if you know the TV series Breaking Bad, but it's like my favorite TV series of all time. It does nothing for my soul. Nothing. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you're like, well, Father, I'm not watching stuff that's killing my faith. I'm not watching evil things. Yeah, but it doesn't make your faith grow. Like when you get done with it, is it harder to believe in Jesus? Is it harder to have hope? Is it harder to live chaste? Maybe there's certain things you need to stop watching. I made a commitment like two weeks ago. I'm done watching stupid TV. I was watching some dumb show. I don't even know what it was. I remember and I watched. I'm like, I am sick of wasting my time. You know how much time you waste? We waste tons of time. So my commitment now is I only watch stuff that I learn from. Documentaries, cooking shows, whatever it is. Something where I'm actually learning. Fix your eyes on Christ because the, the world is trying to fix your eyes on millions of other things. Second, your ears. What do you listen to? What do I mean by that? Who are you allowing to tell you the truth of this life? Who's forming you? The amount of people that I could sit down right here, I bet, in this church, and we could have a, we could have a whiskey and we could talk about politics forever. All the COVID garbage, all of the vaccination data, the Trump raid on Mar-a-Lago, the Biden presidency, and what a mess it is. Everybody can talk about that. Tell me the Ten Commandments. 
Tell me about your own life with Jesus. Tell me about your prayer. Tell me about how Jesus speaks to you. Tell me where you encountered him this last week. Silence. Why? Because we are a nation formed not by God's word. We are formed by the media. And that's why we're a nation that is utterly grounded in fear. Don't believe me? Think about this. You don't have to raise your hands or anything. In the last week, how many days, consecutive days in a row, did you pick up your Bible and read it? Versus, how many days did you tap into the media and see what's going on in the world? There's your answer. Finally, your friends. Who are your friends? Friends will make or break you in the faith journey. They will either help you fly or they will pull you down. Golden piece of advice. They don't pay us enough as priests, but here's a golden piece of advice. You will become who your friends are. If your friends are gossips, you'll become a gossip. If your friends are morons, you'll become a moron. If your friends are drunks, you'll become a drunk. If your friends are snowboarders, you'll become a snowboarder. If your friends are Minnesota Vikings fans, unfortunately, at some point, you're probably going to be a Minnesota Vikings fan. It's the truth of human nature. Who you hang out with, you will become. And so surround yourself with people who help you run. We all have those people, I'm sure, that we meet with, and after we leave, we're flying. And we have people, I'm sure, we meet with, and for the love of us, we walk away and we say, why am I still friends with this person? All they do is bring me down. And we're weaker. Look at your life. Those quote-unquote friends that have done nothing but hold you back, maybe it's time to move on. And this may even happen in our families. Jesus is very clear in the gospel. He says, do you think I've come to establish peace? Division, I tell you. Not everyone in your family is going to want to follow me. And when that happens, you'll be at odds. And don't pretend you're not. There may at some point, God forbid, parents, you may have even experienced this, where your child has walked away from the faith and decided to live some alternative lifestyle. Well, then we're divided because I love Jesus more than you, my child. That's what he's talking about in the gospel. Jesus said he would bring division, not because he wants division. Because it's what will happen when you make the choice to run to win. There's going to be people that don't want you to win. They want you to fail. And so surround yourself with good people. Father Mike Schmitz, who's the chaplain of Minnesota Duluth, he had this image I, I heard, and it's one of the most beautiful images. He runs this guy. Like, I think running's nuts. He runs Ironmans. I don't know if you know what that is. An Ironman is like a three-mile swim, a hundred-mile bike ride, and to cap it all off, to really make it fun, they throw a marathon in at the end. That's nuts. He said his whole family, that makes his whole family nuts. They all did it together. And he said at the end of the Iron Man, as you come around the corner, there's a quarter mile left. And there's grandstands that line the, the whole way. And what happens is, is as you finish, you go shower up and you come back and you cheer people on on that last quarter mile. He said he was there because if you don't finish an Ironman right at midnight, you don't get it. I don't care if you come in at 12 midnight and one second, you don't get it. 
have to finish before midnight. And he said, 11.45, the grandstands were packed, and the guy got on the mic, and he said, folks, there's one guy still out there, and he's got two miles left. What do you say you go bring him in? And he said, people jumped out of the stands and just took off. These are people that have already run a marathon and an Ironman. They went running. And he said, I was sitting in my grandstand. I said, he's got two miles left. He's got 15 minutes. He can't make it. That's a seven-minute mile. If you're at the end of an Ironman, you ain't running seven-minute miles. Especially if it's midnight. He said the guy got on the mic at like 11.54 or 53 and he said, folks, he's got a mile left. Everybody go get him. He said the grandstand's empty. And people ran off into the night. And he said, as I sat there and I watched, at 11.58, around the corner, <laughs> comes this guy. Just everything he's got. And he said, as he turned the corner, I saw something that was one of the most beautiful images I've ever seen. As he came around the corner, behind him came hundreds of people screaming his name, cheering him on to finish. And he finished at 11.59 and some seconds and was inundated by everybody. If you want an image of what it means to run with people that want you to win, that's it. We can't run this race alone. There's too many people trying to bring us down. So what's holding you back? Are there things intentionally you're hanging on to that are slowing you down? Are you running like Father Tom, like looking like an idiot, thinking it's a joke? Or are you running ridding yourself of all of your burdens because one leads to life and one leads to death and so cast off everything that holds you back keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and run this race we call life to win <laughs>